My name is Scott Weiss, and you're listening to Let's Get to Work, the podcast series that dives deep into recruiting and hiring trends, the global workforce, the future of work, job search tips, technology, and more. Okay, so you've spent the past few months actively interviewing with prospective new employers. You've taken time out of your busy work schedule to meet with new people, answer their questions, and jump through all the necessary hoops to get an offer. You decide that if that one company you met with two weeks ago makes you a strong offer, you're definitely going to take it. You believe in their product and really like everything the hiring manager had to say. The offer comes in, it looks good, you take it, give your two weeks notice, and start preparing for the new chapter in your life. Two weeks later, you start the new job and right off the bat, things seem a little strange. You're not sure if it's just you being uncomfortable in a new environment or if something is really wrong. You decide to give it a few weeks and see how things are once the nerves shake off. A month later, things have gone from bad to worse. Nothing about the job is what you expected it would be and you're having serious doubts about your decision. But now it may be too late. Does this scenario sound familiar to you? Anyone who has changed jobs at any point in their career knows that the first few months of any new job are going to be at best awkward. That awkwardness usually gives way to comfort after a few months, except when it doesn't. And what then? Tony Harris is the owner of Healthcare Specialists, LLC, a recruiting company that places medical and surgical salespeople in positions around the United States. Tony has helped close to a thousand people transition into a new job, and he's pretty much seen it all. We're happy to have him with us today. Welcome, Tony. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So, Tony, what happens when, you know, somebody is ready to start that new job? They're all excited. They give their notice. They get ready to go. They start the new job and they get those weird feelings. They tell themselves, you know, it's probably just the newness of this. But then a month later, two months later, three months later, the job is nothing like they expected. Uh, what, What does someone do in that situation? So let, let's, uh, I, I think this is a, a great question that you bring up, but really it, it involves a couple different parts that I'd like to discuss. So first off, you know, let's chat about, you know, what the candidate did before in preparation uh, for, before accepting this, this position. So let's, let's jump into that because I think, you know, if you can avoid this situation altogether, you know that would be the ideal the, the ideal scenario so you know of why course. don't we why don't we discuss a little bit as to kind of what a candidate should do in preparation uh before accepting a, a job offer with a company okay that's fair so let's say um this is a fictional candidate uh john he's been with his company current company three plus years he's not miserable, but he's decided to put himself out there. He gets a, he gets hit up on LinkedIn about an opportunity through a recruiter. It sounds good. He's interested in what the company does. He decides to interview, goes through the interview loops, likes the people he meets, uh, sees it as a progressive growth opportunity in terms of his career path. Uh, they make him a strong offer. He says, you know what? I'm going to do it. He does his research. He looks on Glassdoor, he reads the reviews, talks to some people he knows that maybe have worked there or currently work there, and everything looks good. Um, he takes the job and, and and there he is. Now, you mentioned what prep work he did prior to accepting the offer. What more could he well, do? You know, 
at, at the end of the day, I mean, you mentioned a lot of things that I tell candidates to do in preparation for an interview or in preparation to, you know, leave their current job for another company. But yeah, Glassdoor, uh, great resource. Uh, but, you know, you have to get extremely in-depth into researching a company. And it's not just talking to, you know, a couple current employees. You need to talk to, you know, reach out on LinkedIn, talk to ex-employees, uh, talk to customers you're going to be potentially calling on to see what their reputation is about the job. Uh, I mean, I see in this industry a ton of candidates that just take the regional manager's word for it, that this is a great job. You're walking into a phenomenal territory. Everything's in great shape, but you get into it. And like you said, the preface of this conversation, you know, what the heck did I get myself into? So I think if you do, if you really do the necessary groundwork and talk to current employees, ex-employees, uh, customers, really make sure you have a true understanding of the job and what the requirements are and what the environment is. Um, hopefully, you could avoid the pitfalls of the situation that you're uh, discussing right now. Okay, so what happens though, like through that process in terms of, talk a little bit about like red flags. Um, how do you, as the candidate going through the interview process, doing your due diligence, how do you identify red flags? And once you've identified them, does that mean you, you shouldn't move forward? Um, or is it okay to go into a situation even if there are red flags? Well, I, I think with red flags, it, it really depends on what the expectation um, is set by the manager and, and what he or she would want from you know, the, the sales rep coming in. But a couple of red flags that I tell my candidates to look for, and again, I, I'm specifically speaking about sales positions, you know, within the medical, surgical, or dental space, which is kind of our bread and butter. But, you know, in that scenario, you know, first off, how, how many, you know, how long has the territory been open? One, two, what's been the, the turnover like in this territory? Uh, you know, you don't, you know, if they've had three reps in, in three years, that, 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 that's a red flag into itself. So I think understanding the current environment that you're walking into is extremely important. And then secondly, you know, with a lot of medical device companies uh, or pharmaceutical companies, you know, what is the formulary coverage look like? Are you walking into a territory where, you know, you have a bunch of no-see customers where you can't even you know, get into uh, an account or a hospital or an office just based on those coverages. And then, you know, thirdly, you know, what's the quota? You know, what, what is the, what's the quota number that I'm, you know, responsible for? So I, I think, you know, those things, just having a clear understanding of what the current environment is in that particular territory that you're walking into is extremely important. Right. And you mentioned specifically for pharmaceutical or medical device sales, but I think the logic applies to any job function, whether it's accounting, technology, operations, human resources, marketing. It's really the same general concept, which is the current state of what you're stepping into. And right. um, I think from my position, one of the big challenges is it's human nature when you're uh, developing a new relationship with somebody or a group of people to really focus on the positives, right? Because you're trying to find common ground 
and you're trying to make this a, 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 a positive relationship. So how can a job seeker uh, wear both hats? I mean, how can they go in and focus on trying to build a positive relationship with the potential hiring manager, with the potential new coworkers, but also be somewhat skeptical so that they can extract out that information and figure out what are those red flags? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's a great, that's a great point. And, you know, a, a lot of these conversations typically take place during the quote unquote interview scenario, but, you know, I, I don't think it would hurt to, you know, offer up to take a employee out to coffee or uh, meet them on a more informal basis and, and really, really get, get personal and just lay it out there. Hey, I, I'm really thinking about joining this company and it's a huge career move for me. I'm excited, but at the same time, extremely nervous. And I, I truly think if you, you know, break down your barriers and you're honest and you're transparent and you show a little vulnerability, I, I think most people will, will, will tell you how it is. Um, and so I, I just think, you know, doing what you can to dig deep into the company and the company culture and, and the environment in any way that you can is it, just paramount before, you know, you sign on the dotted line to, to leave where you're at for, for a new situation. Are there scenarios that you've been a part of where you're working with a candidate and they've gone through this process and they've come back to you and said, these are the concerns that I have, um, but they've still decided to go forward with it, uh, knowing that there are potentially some some roadblocks. Um, can you think of a scenario where, you, you know, that that happened and what the outcome of that was? Yeah, uh, you know, in, in there are different scenarios depending on, you know, the urgency of the, the, the candidate. You know, there are some candidates that I work with that are unemployed. So is there, um, you know, level of acceptance in, you know, going into a position that may have some red flags a little, uh, you know, more lenient compared to someone that, you know, is a top performer at a company and they're doing well and they, they, they picked up the phone or picked in, picked up my LinkedIn message and, you know, is interested in potentially exploring opportunities. So I think a lot of it depends on, you know, how desperate are you to find a position and how willing are you to deal with potential red flags given, you know, the urgency um, of your search if you're, you know, currently employed or not. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to have this conversation and not think about the dating world, right? And you think about somebody who is uh, maybe single and anxious to find their life partner. Maybe they want to get married, start a family yeah. uh, versus somebody who is just kind of living their life and not too concerned about it. You're, um, you're, you're operating from very different planes in terms of um, your appetite for risk. And um, I think, as you mentioned, somebody that really desperately needs a job is going to be less concerned about potential red flags because they're really just looking for that opportunity to get back to work. Whereas somebody who doesn't really need to switch jobs can afford to be more, more picky and, and, and pass on opportunities. So I think the old adage is the best time to look for a new job is when you don't need one. Why? Because, uh, you're able to be selective. Yep. Yep. I mean, I just had a candidate yesterday accept a job 
with a startup orthodontic sales company and it's a new technology and there's you know a ton of red flags and there's a lot of uncertainty but you know in his mind the pros outweighed the cons and he could get into the job in six weeks or a month down the road oh my gosh you know what 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 the heck did I get myself into but you know he you know was tactical and made that uh, decision that you know what hey I want to see if this works and if it if it does great if it doesn't then I'll I'll be calling you soon so it it, it absolutely does happen and like you said it's up to that particular candidate's risk tolerance as far as, you know, you know, what, what they want to do and, you know, if they want to move forward, given kind of the uh, uncertainty or the red flags. So the, the action steps that I'm hearing you say any job seeker should take prior to accepting a new position are do your research on the company, go beyond Glassdoor, um, reach out to people that have worked there in the past, maybe don't work there anymore try to engage in conversations around what are the things I need to be aware of here? What are some concerns, you know, you might have about me going to work here based on what you know about me, that sort of thing. Um, you know, what, what are, what are maybe one or two other, you know, action steps that I can take beyond reaching out to current and past employees before I accept that job? Yeah, I, I, I just, I just think it, you know, I have, a lot of candidates that that think you know researching a company's website is enough to prepare for an interview and this is a huge undertaking that can have ramifications on your career and your resume and uh you know your potential you know job uh you know job changes down the road if if you don't do the appropriate due diligence and it's just you know going the extra way, going above and beyond in preparation and kind of creative out of the box uh, thinking, you know, it it goes a long way. And and I think managers truly appreciate candidates that, you know, come back with questions, come back with concerns, because, you know, if you're not doing those things, uh, you know, it it just, it's a, it's it's a red flag to the hiring managers too. So at least in my industry, I, I truly feel that, you know, candidates that come back with a lot of questions and do, you know, extraordinary due diligence are the ones that, you know, if, if you turn down a job after doing your due diligence, you know, congrats to you because you, you know it's not the right fit for you. So what you're saying is reach out to current and past employees, but also come up with some very tough questions, maybe to pose directly to the hiring manager. For instance, a question like, you know, if I accept this job and six months from now it's not working out, what might be reasons why that's happening? You know, really tough questions that show that you're interested in making the right choice. You're saying you absolutely advocate for that and and that you would encourage candidates to not be shy about doing that. Yeah, because if a manager is going to sugarcoat an opportunity and and not be 100% transparent with you about the current state of the position or the company, then that's not a company you want to work for. Okay. So let's assume you've done all those things, right? And then you go ahead and take the job and you, you move forward with it. And I've seen situations where in your first week on the job, the manager that hired you gets let go or they give their notice or there's unforeseen circumstances like the company gets acquired 
or there's layoffs, something that was totally out of your control and you could have never seen coming happens. And so let's go back to the original question, which is maybe you've done all your due diligence. You were very thorough. You thought through the, the decision and you, you, you decided to go for it. And then you step into the opportunity and it's not at all what you were told it was going to be. There's organizational changes. Um, everything's amiss. What do you do in that situation now that you've taken the job and there you are? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, these things happen. Like you said, companies uh, get acquired, managers, you know, the manager that hires you ends up leaving and, you know, you're, you're, you're standing there with, with someone that doesn't know you or what you bring to the table and it, it, it can get scary. Um, you know, it, it really is a delicate situation. I think there's a lot of uh, factors that you need to weigh as, as, a, as a, you know, candidate or as, I guess as an employee at that point, you know, as far as what you should do. You know, what, what is your track record before that? Because, you know, you and I both know Scott, you know, stability from a recruiter perspective and a, uh, you know, employee perspective, you know, you want candidates that kind of show stability. Um, but, you know, if you're a candidate that has a stable track record of performance uh, throughout uh, the years and something like this happens, um, you know, sometimes there are mulligans that, uh, that happen. And, you know, I would tell candidates, you know, try to stick it out a year if possible. But if the conditions are miserable, then you know what, as long as you have a story to tell to prospective recruiters and employers, you're going to be fine. But if it happens twice, three times, four times, then, you know, you need to look in the mirror and, you know, figure out why these positions aren't working. Okay, so what if you're somebody that does have a great track record and you find yourself in one of these, as you say, mulligan type situations? Um, at, at what point does it make sense to cut the cord versus, like you said, try to push it out, you know, s survive for the six months or a year, push, mm -hmm. push through? When do you know that you're in a no-win situation where, you know, cutting the cord is the only logical option? And then how do you do that? Do you just cut ties straight away and find yourself out of a job so you can focus on, you know, fixing things and finding the right job? Or mm -hmm. do, you, do you stay with that job and start doing your interviews on the side? Well, so really uh, two, qu two questions. First question, yeah. um, what do you do? You know, when do you know when it's time to cut the cord versus stick it out? And then secondly, if you are going to cut the cord, what's the right way to do it? Well, every person has a different pain tolerance at, at, at the end of the day. So it really is up to the individual um, person to uh, decide when, when that time is. But I think answering question one leads to, you know, really question two, which is it is always, well, I wouldn't say always, 99% of the time, it's, all, it, it, it's a better way to find a job when you currently have a job. The moment I see someone that's unemployed, you know, I get questions, I get red flags that pop up in my mind. All right, why is this person unemployed? But if you could, if you could find a job while you're currently working, it just makes the um, uh, process uh, run a lot smoother. So I would highly encourage anyone that is looking to leave their current situation to interview on the side, uh, but really try to land a job before uh, you end up quitting. 
That's that's great advice. Now, one other question on this specifically, you you talk about pain tolerance. How do you know as the candidate or as the employee at this point, if it's something that's within you, perhaps it's you've been conditioned to expect a certain set of circumstances from prior jobs that aren't what you're getting in your new job and it's just your inability to adapt and adjust um, or if it's something that's being pushed on you um, by the organization that's like out of your control. I mean, how do you know if it's, you know, it's not you, it's me kind of thing. How do you know how to differentiate between that? Um, and, and maybe there is no, it doesn't matter because ultimately it's what you're either happy or you're not happy. But yeah. I imagine there's scenarios where the new employee is, is sort of picking out all the things they don't like about the new job when those things aren't really all that bad. They're just not what they're accustomed to. And they're, refusing to adapt or adjust. So how do you make that differentiation? Well, I I think a lot of times it it comes down to really looking in the mirror and having a truthful, honest uh, assessment of what, what, what is the current situation? Is it something that I'm, you know, responsible for, or is this something that is out of my control? And, you know, you, you can only, control ultimately what, uh, you know, you, you can. And, uh, but I have seen several situations where maybe the scope of the job changes and, you know, I, this, this isn't the position that I interview for, or, you know, they're, they're assigning you different assignments that, that you were told, uh, you know, you, you were going to do, you know, upon hire. And so, you know, if the scope of the if, if the scope of the job changes, then yeah, you know, you everyone has a skill set. Everyone knows where areas they excel and succeed at, and areas where they may struggle. So, you know, ultimately, if the scope of the job changes, then you know, I, I think uh, you, you know you need to tell yourself, hey, could, could I could I be successful in this new uh, job that I have with new responsibilities, or um, you know, is it is it something where you know what? Hey, I I'm not confident in this uh, skill set that they're asking me to do now. But you know what? I, I'm going to give it a try and, and, and do my best. Uh, you know, I think it really comes down to a case by case basis. And and do you think it's okay to confront your uh, manager, assuming the person that hired you is still there, um, with these concerns, or do you run the risk of potentially? Uh, you know, signing your own resignation letter or, or termination letter by doing that? You know, every situation is different, but really, Scott, my, my life's philosophy in recruiting and uh, my day-to-day life is honesty truly is always the best policy and nothing is worth doing if, you, if you're miserable. So, uh, and, you know, stress and keeping something internal that is eating you up inside and you dreading to go to work every day. It's just at the end of the day, it's just not worth it. So um, to me, for me, I I would have an honest conversation with, uh, you know, your manager or superior, whoever hired you and, you know, tell them about your feelings or him or her about your feelings and, you know, see, see where it goes. But that, that, that's how I would operate. So honesty is the best policy, communication, don't ignore your feelings, deal with the situation, don't sweep it under the rug, take yeah. action. Um, those, that's great advice. And I think if, if you're out there listening and 
you are in a new job where you're having some of these feelings or maybe you know somebody who is, um, you know, listen to Tony's advice, take action, have a conversation, deal with what you're feeling inside. Don't don't pretend it's going to get better. Uh, do what you can to fix it and resolve it. And if you can't, then do your best to hang on while you start trying to find a new job uh, outside of that one that you're currently in. But uh, don't wait around and expect for things to change without you taking any action. You agree with that, Tony? Yeah, I, I do. And, and I think it's just being, you know, being transparent, being honest, uh, asking for help if, uh, if, if, if help is needed. And, you know, if you're working for a manager that is not willing to, um, you know, put, you know, a manager's job truly is to, you know, have their people succeed and everyone needs help in, in certain areas. And, you know, if you have a manager that's not willing to help you get to where you want to be or help you adjust to changing times, then yeah, it, it probably isn't a manager or a company that you want to, uh, you want to be working with for much longer. Yeah. They say that, uh, I mean, I've heard it said many times that people don't leave companies, they leave managers. Do you, do you agree with that to some extent? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Because as you know, everything flows downstream. And uh, if you work for a manager that uh, you know makes your life miserable, then you know it could be a great company. But your manager is really your day-to-day -day interaction with with the company. And and I've seen it vice versa. I have seen you know managers leave from one company to the next, and they the, the sales reps that they had follow that person to their next company and I, I i actually did that when i was a uh you know medical pharmaceutical rep i i went to work for a company because of the manager and i knew that you know if i worked for this person that you know they knew my skill set they they knew what i bring to the table they create a positive work environment and you know the manager sold the company versus the company uh, selling me. So it works in both both ways. And maybe a good insurance policy is when you're doing the interviews, obviously you're meeting with your prospective hiring manager, but uh, perhaps if possible, try to meet with that person's manager too on the off chance that that manager that hires you either gets promoted into a different position or leaves the company. You'll at least know who you know? Who you can go to with concerns uh, if if something like that changes. So there's right. you know I think the, the the high level response to this is most of this can be avoided by doing your due diligence before you accept an offer. Um, you can never do too much research or ask too many questions, but it does happen. And when it does, uh, the best thing to do is take action and and listen to your gut and your instinct and and try to write, write the situation. And if you can't, you got to move on. Yep. And, and, and as a recruiter, these, these things, these things do happen. And, and, I, and I, I see it every day, but as long as you have a legitimate story to tell and you can articulate that during an interview, you're going to be fine. Fantastic advice. Tony Harris, owner of Healthcare Specialists. You can find him on LinkedIn. Tony, we hope to have you back on future shows. Uh, we appreciate your time and um, we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks for having me, Scott.